Welcome to episode five of the AV Geeks Assemble podcast. I'm Andrew and I am once again your host this week. In this episode, we have another very special guest joining us to talk all things photography, aviation, and this time the Royal Navy. Keeping it a little bit closer to home this time, so that is nice. Before we get to the main event, we have a few items on the agenda. Firstly, to once again thank you all for continued feedback that we've been receiving week in and week out. There was a lot of love, understandably, for Panic and Scoff the Duck, of course, in our last episode. Um, so thank you. Um, it has really been great. It helps keep us going. We really enjoy hearing back how, what you think of the podcast and how we're doing. So once again, send us your feedback. Let us know what you think. And hopefully you enjoy this one as well. If you haven't heard any of our podcasts before, please go back and give them a listen on either YouTube or Spotify. We will be looking to add the podcast to other podcast platforms. It is coming. Please bear with us. Today, to speak with me to our special guest, we have uh, Martin from episode zero. Hey, everyone. And we've got debuting on the podcast from no longer behind the scenes, we've got Mike with us. Good evening. How are you, mate? You all right? Yeah, not too bad. Maybe. Good, good. How are you, Martin? You all right, mate? Yeah, mate. Can't complain. Good, good. Right, we do need to take a moment to introduce Mike. Like I say, he is the technical genius that does bring all of our aimless ramblings each fortnight together in the editing suite to make it sound like something that resembles a podcast. So thanks, mate. We appreciate that uh, because without you, it probably wouldn't sound as professional as it does. So thank you. Ah, it's a pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> um, seeing as you weren't able to join us on the introductory episode, mate, um, tell us a little bit about yourself, how you ended up in aviation photography, um, and how you ended up editing our podcast for us, and you know what you've sort of been doing up until this point. Tricky one, that. Where to start? Um, I think aviation-wise, I've, I've lived in Lincolnshire all my life, so you know I'm basically surrounded by RAF bases on pretty much three or four sides of, of where I live and um, where I grew up near Boston, basically five minutes from RF Coningsby. So, you know, we had everything pretty much around there when I was growing up in the early nineties in terms of photography, that's really something I've only come into in the last, I don't know, four or five years. Um, probably one of the first trips I did was actually to um, Silverstone to the F1. I think I went to one of the practice days on a Friday for the Grand Prix, probably about five years ago. And um, I was just like, I need to take some cool photos of stuff going fast. Uh, <laughs> so that was like my first, um, I guess my first go into like panning and, you know, trying to get the blurred background and the the car sharp. And then when I came home, I was just like, well, I'm not going to get the chance to do that again for another year. So what else can I try? Um, and I was like, well, there's... RAF Scampton, literally two minutes down the road from where I live. If I go 10 minutes the other way, Waddington. If I go 40 minutes back home to, but towards Boston, there's Kinesby. So, you know, no brainer. I've got myself a big lens and thought, let's have a crack at this. And it sort of 
I guess, reignited what was there when I was a kid, all those sort of air show memories and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, and that's been probably ever since, really. So the, the podcast side, that's a bit of a weird one. When I was at uni 12 years ago, uh, <laughs> I, did a, uh, I did a music technology course. That's what my degree is, um, which is a bit weird, considering I then went and started work for the NHS straight away as soon as I graduated. Um, so this is probably the first time I've actually used anything I learned on my degree. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's nice just, you know, something I was passionate about 10, 12 years ago, back into something that I'm passionate about now. Um, so yeah, that's it really. And it's, it's, you know, it's really good fun to do. It's nice listening to you guys ramble on about everything that's good in uh, aviation and, you know, the guests that we've got is great. And also probably my favorite bit is all the outtakes I've got. <laughs> just be careful what you say because you never know we might do an outtake special at some point There's, there'll be hours and hours worth yeah <laughs> I genuinely think everyone deserves to hear that because we've had some good ones we have but, I mean to be fair to you mate considering you've had a 12 year break from you know the podcast and music and editing side of things these are really good so you've not lost your touch yeah, I mean, we, we we do what we can with, you know, we do, we're obviously doing it over Zoom, you know, basic equipment at best, I think. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's only so much you can do, but it's basically, it's pretty much like editing photos. You know, you can do, you can do too much. If if, if you're not careful, you can edit something too much and it, and it will sound rubbish. But hopefully, um, you know, like I said, we kind of do the best with what we've got and it it sounds passable to those people that are listening. <laughs> and that's what we want, mate. <laughs> I thought you were going to say we do the best we can with who we've got. I was going to get a bit offended by that. Not going to lie, but well, I wasn't going to say it. But... <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Class. Well, cheers for that, mate. Appreciate that. Because, um, like I say, obviously, we did um, uh, miss you out on the introductions. Um, not on purpose, of course. Uh, life happens. Um, but yeah, no, just that, mate. Nice little introduction to yourself and your background and how you've got to where you are photography-wise now. So cheers for that. So once again, before we um, start speaking to our guest this week, uh, we'll just have a little uh, chit-chat about some of the things that has happened in the last couple of weeks. Uh, a couple of big things, actually. Um, obviously, the RAF and Navy assets, uh, there's been like a defence review about cuts to the assets. Um, now, I've not had the chance to read much into it. Uh, our man probably to go to for that one at the moment is Martin, because I know you enjoy reading about these things. And to be fair, it's almost like you're part of the uh, the, the defence anyway, because you speak as it's, it's class, mate. You, you know what you're on about. So tell us a little bit about it. Oh, mate. <laughs> cuts, cuts to an under underfunded armed forces. I mean, we knew it was coming. COVID is like just put another nail in the coffin. It's yeah. To start cutting typhoon fleet, start getting rid of the pumas. Is there we won't be getting what we asked for with the F-35? I mean, I think the Navy have come out fairly okay with it. I mean. You know, they're getting more frigates and all sorts. I've just realised that we've uh, we've not said the part where we'd like to emphasise that these are... 
<laughs> so just for those listening, just to let you know, <laughs> these are our opinions. They are entirely our own, and that does go for our guests as well. But to be fair, look, it, is, it may be a strong opinion, but do we think maybe there's something going on, you know, is there a plan for the future? Are those cuts happening because maybe there's something else coming in? Do we know? Or? No, no. There just, there just, there just isn't. Yeah. Like talking to people in the know that say like they, the RAF cannot trust the A400, and the, spe- the special forces don't like the A400. To then cut the C130, it doesn't make no sense. An airplane has literally just been upgraded. It's had new wing boxes fitted. It's had a new glass cockpit fitted. So, yeah, it just, it's like the Nimrod all over again. Yeah. Mm. And the Harrier. Nimrod and the Harrier. It's way too early. Yeah. Um, mm. I, my, I don't know much about it, obviously. Um, but I do sometimes look at it and think, is it because there's something else in the plans? You know, is it the next thing that's that we don't know about? But it's it's quite hard to tell, I guess, this early on. I don't know. but. It's um it is a strange one because 99% of the people we speak to always say, why did the Harriers go? You know, um, and things like that, just as an example. And you know, sometimes you do have to wonder. But anyway, um let us know your opinions, what you think of these cuts and things like that. Um, it is an interesting one, it is a strange one. But again, um, you know, we're here, we like photographing aircraft. And, uh, you know, talking about it. So we don't know the best, but we have our opinions. So the other one that happened in the last two weeks was the um, Navy Hawk that went down. Um, Thankfully, as we know, we did find out that the crew were found safe and well. So that's good, which is why we, you know, we're happy to discuss it this early on. Um, You know, we'd just like to say that if anything more serious had happened, we obviously wouldn't be talking about it because it's quite insensitive. Um, but yeah, so there was bad vibes when it first went down. Um, you know, it it was like some of the things that we've seen already and everyone's just sort of holding their breath, like any news that we know if everyone's safe and luckily they were, um, what do you guys know, Mike, Martin, do you know much about what happened? Have you, have you read up about it or seen much? Not, not really. No, no more than what what you said there. Again, it's, it's great that. The crew are safe. That's the main thing, really. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I've, I'm lucky enough to have been down to um, to Cordrove. I've gone holidays to Cornwall most years, and spotting at Cordrove is actually quite quite good. There's always something going on, and um, you know, I've seen these these hawks um, a few times. And it's just it's it's just a bit weird. I think when you hear something like this happening, it um, it's home a bit, and you realise that there's actually you know people involved, and you just want them to be safe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) To be fair, on a little bit of a lighter note where you've just said something's always happening at cold drones. Again, I'm going to bring my luck into it (laughs) because I used to work in Cornwall quite a lot last year. Uh, A couple of times it took me down past cold drones. I think probably about four or five times I was down that way. Um, I promise you, no word of a lie, I saw a singular Merlin out of those four or five times I was down there. So (laughs) that's just... Again, you know, it's um, it's just one of those, isn't it? But anyway, this isn't about me. I think I've been how many times have I been? Twice in, I don't know, the last four or five years, and 
both times I've been, I've seen hawk, well, multiple hawks, multiple merlins. And no, I think it was a Norwegian. Um, I can't believe it's called the Norwegian equivalent of a merlin. I've no idea. EH101. And uh, what else was there? There's the, uh, what would you call it? Avenger. Old King Air. Yeah. It's quite yeah. cool. Looks looks better than the King Airs we've got here at Waddington anyway. It's not just, it's not grey. It's a nice blue and white paint job. Nice. Don't hate them King Airs, mate. <laughs> yeah, like I say, I didn't see any of that. So at least someone has. Uh, at least at least I know that something does happen down there. It's just that they stopped when I got there. So standard. Right. So cheers for that, chaps. Now that that's out of the way, it is time for our guests to join us on this flight. We're still not quite sure on the final destination, but we will see where it goes. With us today is Royal Navy Commando Crewman Patrick. Hi, Patrick. How are you, mate? Hi, guys. How's it going? Yeah, good, mate. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Good, good, man. Well, thank you for joining us on the podcast this week. Uh, we really do appreciate your time. Um, obviously, like I say, we're just a group of guys into aviation photography that are trying out the podcast world. So thank you for joining us. So to start off with, um, could you tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, how you got into aviation, um, and how you ended up as a Royal Navy crewman? and uh, um, possibly, more importantly, how you got into photography. Cool, yeah, wow. So um, I guess start from joining up 2008 uh, as an AET, actually. Joined up, uh, entered rally, um, joined up as an AET. So went through the whole AET training, so that's aircraft engineering technician. Uh, and then got posted down to Cold Rose, working on the Merlin Mark 1s. Um, down there for about, I think it was until 2012. So did a couple of deployments, one large deployment with um, HMS Westminster. Uh, that was like about a seven month, I think it was in, in all. Um, yeah, so that was really, that was a, that was a really good time. That's probably the biggest, um, biggest trip I did as an AT. Uh, and then I witnessed how good the aircrew world could have been or could be from that trip, um, working with, a uh, certain lieutenant lieutenant at the time, Lieutenant Suckling. And then I went into air crew grading 2012. Yeah, that, that was it really. Once I got into air crew grading, then I went through the whole training pipeline in the process. So I got into it from there. Photography-wise, that's a completely different story. So photography-wise, I started... So I was out in on a deployment in Oman and the UAE, and we were kind of stuck on this base for a long, long time, quite almost like in, in in sort of limbo, really. Um, and I just thought, why not pick up a camera and just start taking some photos of the things I kind of see and stuff like that. So, yeah, that's it, really. Nice. And the rest is history, as they say. Um, yeah. yeah I mean, to it, be yeah. fair, if that's how it started, fair play, because obviously we've seen some of the, the photos you've taken. Um, obviously, just to shout you out even this early on, so on Instagram, you're <laughs> at Royal Navy Crewman. Um, and I must say, we do really enjoy your content, uh, your images, your stories. Um, so I tell you what, the majority of us are very glad you picked up that camera. Um, oh, thanks, thanks, Andrew. Really that's all right. Um, so is it, has it been difficult to produce, you know, such, you know, pretty awesome content whilst you know meeting your obligations in the Royal Navy? So I'd say. Um having the time like finding the time in flights or or even on the ground to to see stuff so i took a lot of photos and videos on my phone like like i think a lot of people do you know 
And the more you do the job, the more you know, you get experience enough to know which moments, you know, you, you, you can have a little pause and, and go, okay, I'll take a photo here, I'll take a video here, whatever. So yeah, you learn to like boxing cops. I, I wouldn't have done it in the first sort of, you know, when you're a junior crewman or a, a junior pilot or in, or in any job, um, if you're going to be doing stuff like that, you've got to know when the best time to do it is, especially in terms of aviation, because you've got some important roles to do. We're not just loafing crewmen in the back. We actually do do stuff. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so yeah, it can be difficult. Like there's moments where I'm like, oh, I'd love to, love to get the old camera out and take a photo of that or take a video of that on my phone. But, you know, you got to, you know, first and foremost is the safety of the aircraft um, and, and your role, especially. But because I've because I've done the job for you know I'm not not by any means like it like mega experience but I've done it for enough years now to know when the safe times can be to take those kind of photos and stuff like that. Yeah, have you um, sort of always got to have it in the back of your head? Sort of what it's going to sound weird, but like what you are and aren't allowed to take pictures of? Because I'm assuming there's times that you know the things that are happening or the environment you're in should not be on social media. So is that always in the back of your head? Absolutely, mate. Yeah, it's a really good question, actually. Because, um, yeah, so anything sensitive, um, I either use bokeh, bokeh, whatever you want to call it, to massively blur it out, or I'll go on the old uh, Lightroom and just put like a gradient, a gradient filter on it and just blur, completely blur it out. Just um, it's usually to do with the displays, uh, a certain displays we've got. I just make sure any sensitive information isn't isn't out there. But but it's definitely in the back of my mind, like you say. Um, but the majority of time I'm sort of zoomed in taking pictures of aircraft. So, you know, stuff that's stuff that's available open source is, is free game really. Yeah, no, that's, that's class. Um, Cause like I say, we have been in what we do there, there are times that we've come across stories and things like that, where someone's posted something they maybe shouldn't have oh, done. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's one of those that is, is it something you, you have to think of afterwards or before? Definitely before, but if, if I have taken a photo, I'll, I'll look at it and pause and be like, right, am, am I posted like in posting this? What, you know, is there anything, you know, anything sensitive here? And I'll be like, right, okay, can't post that one. And I'll just either get rid of it or, or just definitely won't post it, you know? <laughs> yeah. <fair enough>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So cheers for that, mate. Um, so we're going to move on to a little icebreaker. I know, obviously, we have been chatting to you for a little while so far, but, um, you know, it's a good way to get to know you a little bit better. Um, so we thought we'd play another little game. So this week, uh, we're going to be doing another game of 20 questions. Uh, if anyone heard episode three with Robin, you'll remember how this goes. But for those that missed it, there is a reminder of the rules. So Patrick will think of an aircraft. And myself, Mike, and Martin will take it in turns to ask questions with a yes or no answer to try and work out what that aircraft is. Right. So feel free to play along at home or in the car and let us know if you get it before we did. So I'll start. Martin will go for you next and then Mike will go for you because that's the, uh, that's the uh, order I've got you in on the screen. So it might make things a bit easier. I am going to start with something that might make it too easy, but you never know. Is it a fixed-wing aircraft? It is not a fixed-wing aircraft. I can't say I'm surprised, but here we go. (laughs) (laughs) Martin? Have you flown on that aircraft? I have. (laughs) Does that only limit us to a choice of two, though? Is, Is that a question, Mike? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> All right. No, no, 
No, you've got a choice of uh, more than two aircraft, definitely. Okay. Um, is this an aircraft that the Royal Navy use? It is not. It's not? No. Okay. That's question four, Martin. Has it got more than one rotor? <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, I, I thought you were going to say rotor blade then. <laughs> oh, you guys know some wacky aircraft um, yeah. no it's got a single main rotor yeah is it from the Royal Air Force it is not Ooh. okay that's question six um, is this helicopter is this still in operation yeah yeah very much so yeah okay that's question seven Martin is it in service with the UK Armed Forces? It is not. Oh! Question <laughs> eight, Mike. Ah, oh, this is getting hard now. Yeah. Is it in service with the American Armed Forces? It is. Okay. Is it used as an attack helicopter? It can be, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, that's not yes or no. (laughs) Right, sorry, yeah. Um, Yes, then. Yes, all right. Well, that's because I guess my question was a bit vague. Is it made by Sikorsky? It is not made by Sikorsky. No. Struggling here. Yeah. I can't remember whether my last question there was, was it American or was it US Air Force? I think we said American. So I think what we've said so far, it's um, it's a rotary, um, obviously, aircraft uh, that's not used by the UK Armed Forces, but is used in the US Air Forces. It's got a single main rotor and not made by Sikorsky. I'm trying to think what else is out there now. <laughs> I feel bad. Do you guys want... A clue. Or... I've got. I've got another question. If Mike's struggling, you, you, you go, Martin. You go. Was this helicopter made famous in Vietnam? Uh, yes. Martin, have you got an answer? Yeah. Is it the Huey? It is the Huey. Hey, hey. <laughs> nice. Oh, blimey! Uh, you know what? I'm going to come out and say my knowledge on helicopters isn't great. <laughs> <laughs> Mm. especially non-British ones. Yeah, yeah. once you said that, I sort of sat here and went, oh, God, what am I meant to ask? <laughs> Good well, you've got, you got the Bell one, uh, 412. That's quite similar-ish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so did you did you say you've actually flown on that? Yeah, so we were out in, um, when was it, 2017? We did like a um, sort of exchange or like more of like an observation of a... Uh, a course out in the United States for the uh, United States Marines. Right. Okay. Yeah. So um, we split down and each sort of, there was two crewmen, myself and, and another, and two pilots came over. Yeah. And we went and, and observed one of their courses out on the West coast. And it, it was absolutely brilliant. So um, I got posted with the Huey guys, which were a really good bunch of, bunch of lads. Um, then one of our pilots went with the Cobras. One of our crewmen went with, oh, I can't remember the other aircraft now. Um, but we all kind of split down and it was a really good way of observing sort of their way of doing things and bringing back some knowledge to the squadron um, in terms of, in terms of that stuff. And the aircraft itself was fantastic. It was absolutely brilliant. Had some amazing flights out, out on the range over there. Um, the Americans do do stuff, obviously 
a lot bigger and grander than we do and and they seem to be so gung-ho with <laughs> stuff like uh ammunition and usage of the range and just they have like free reign of a whole area and they just really go and have some decent training and decent fun at the same time it was it was absolutely brilliant well how long were you out there for we were out there for two months altogether i think it was and it was sort of based very close to san diego um out, out in yuma as well which yuma is like a tiny little sort of west coast town it's, it's inland by about i don't know an hour but west coast in the grand scheme of things but yeah it's a sleepy little sort of town but it's got the airbase right next to it so the one or two bars and clubs that yuma does have yeah uh, just get lit, lit up on the weekends <laughs> it's fantastic so we we worked you know the flights were good um and observing the course was really good and then just the guys were like, well, you're over here now, lads. So in, in your off time, go and explore, go and have fun in San Diego. Do you know, and we did. Yeah, class. <laughs> well, you've got to, you have to whilst you're out there, don't you? That's it. Yeah, that's it. I guess that, that kind of probably leads us on actually to the next question quite nicely. Because I think if, if it was me, that would be probably one of my favourite things about, about your job would be the amount of travel you've got to do, um, the places you get to visit and all that, all that sort of thing. So guess with that in mind what what's the best part of, of the job yeah i mean i think you've pretty much summed it up I'd, I'd say the best part personally for me um is yeah the variety and obviously you get to travel as well so i've been to sort of done um environmental qualifications in the desert in the arctic um even in the uk you get to you know go up going up to scotland every, every few months and doing ranges up there and and then flying off to ships, do you know what I mean? On, you know, just a random week, you'll be one minute you'll be like winching out in the bay off Weymouth. The next minute you'll be doing ranges off the coast of Wales, and you know, it's flying down to flying down to the southwest over on Dartmoor, um, and then you'll be like not flying one day and just doing loads of admin. So it's, it's completely different each day. <laughs> that sounds. But awesome. Yeah, definitely the travel. You know, even when I even before I was um, before I went the aircrew route the travel we did on HMS Westminster especially was, was fantastic. And that really um, sort of got me into the mindset of like just traveling the world and things like that. We did a deployment on the, it's called JDA. So we joined a friendship. Um, the first half was done by sort of, we split down into two, two sort of, two sort of um, sections of the squadron. So the first section did the, did the um, flew to Toulon. I think it was, yeah, flew to Toulon joined the friendship there, put a couple of our aircraft on it, and then went all the way to Australia via different lo- different um, locations. And then myself and the other half of the crew that came out, we flew to Darwin, met them there, and then and then sort of sailed back on the friendship. Obviously, again, stopping at different locations, and it was just fantastic. We went to, like, Singapore, Vietnam. Obviously, Australia was good itself, Sri Lanka, uh, east coast of africa and then back through the med so that was a really good trip as well so yeah i mean the travel is definitely the best bit mike i'd say yeah that's 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 pretty mental coming back or pretty much all the way back from like australia it's like a an alternative cruise i guess yeah that's it the french the french were interesting hosts they uh do things slightly different to us um (laughs) their crossing the line ceremony was slightly different so we do this thing if you cross the equator we call it crossing the line so we'll have like a big ceremony in the Navy. It'll be like a big, big thing. And there'll be all these different events. You know, it can last up to two or three days. Um, and it's, it's a really, really good time. 
and the French version is slightly different. So yeah, it's not so it's not so enjoyable. I'd say things like um, I think they they put everyone. I, I didn't actually do it. It was the guys on the first part of the trip that did it. But I heard the stories from it. It just sounded sounded awful. <laughs> they were like <laughs> compared to oh, and they were like put in the hangar, and they got sort of like bits of bin juice and stuff like that thrown at them and it was like all the french were loving it and it, i was like oh you, you get a certificate luckily so the guys that had already done crossing the line can be like oh i've got my certificate and they're like oh, i don't have to do it so luckily a few of them didn't have to do it but the ones who did it just said it was awful <laughs> i'll tell you what i'd love to know where some of these things originated from because some of the stories you hear you're like who thought of that and how did it carry on <laughs> that's it yeah that's it so you have like I remember being on the back of the Westminster. So we crossed the line with the Westminster and um, on the back of the flight deck, they set up this like fake sort of trial, this court trial. And you've got um, King Neptune up in his throne and you've got like these big, big tubs of water that you get dunked in and he gives you like a shave and, and yeah, they give you like all sorts of um, interesting cocktails of different things. And yeah, no, it was good. It was good. <laughs> That's class. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, different, that's for sure. I've not to be honest with you, that's the first time I've actually heard of that. So that's quite interesting. Yeah, it's good. You you go and tell all the junior guys, um, oh, we're crossing the line. Um, I think we're gonna go over it about midnight. And you tell them there's these um you get the junior guys and you say, All right, mate, so there's gonna be like a load of boys that'll mark out the that'll mark out the equator. So just look out for them past midnight. And so all the junior guys will be up on the deck looking out for them and be like Nah, that's, that's not really that's not really how it happens. <laughs> it won't be there at all. And they'll be like, oh, looking for him. Oh, I think I see one. It's like, nah. <laughs> just like a row of landing lights or something. Yeah. That's, it, that's, it, yeah. that's it. Well, look, you've got to get your fun somewhere, haven't you? So that's it, yeah. And I guess obviously at some point you've been there as well. So it's almost like um, you know, tradition. So that's it. That's exactly yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously continuing because that was quite a good answer. Um to go on to the next question. Um, so talking about obviously where you have traveled and things like that, um, what would you say is maybe your favorite place or maybe your favorite places that you visited during your time in the Royal Navy? Um, and with that being said, what do you think was your best photo from said location or locations? Yeah, so I'd, I'd say my f- places that stick out are, d- are definitely America was always good i've been there the first time i went there was with the went to was 845 squadron went to 29 palms um that was out doing sort of a desert eq into a bit of an exercise um that was pretty pretty good because it's just so it's obviously so dry and hot out there it's ridiculous so we arrived and the the marines that are based there on the um on the camp were like are you guys just arriving now? Like we're all going because it gets too hot for us out here. We were like, yeah, no way. So we were, yeah, and it was it was really hot. So they'd all thinned out because it's too hot to work, and we'd all arrived like not acclimatized. We arrived in, um, I think it was McCarran Air, Air Airport, which is Las Vegas. So we arrived in Las Vegas and got on this like like a dusty old white sort of bus. It's like the white version of the Simpsons bus, but like all broken down. Like <laughs> with with an angry driver as well and um and yeah so, so we're going across the desert doing the transit from vegas to this god awful camp on 29 palms and the bus breaks down like halfway there and it's searing heat and we're all like just arrived from england so we're completely white pasty skin like not- <laughs> yeah. 
and oh, it was it was a nightmare. So the whole lot of us got had to get off the coach, like in the blistering midday sun. We'd just done a massive um, sort of jet lags from the from the from the flight, obviously. And then yeah, it just took ages. To, we were like, Vegas is just there. We can see it. Just put us get us a bus to Vegas, and we'll go and stay in the hotel until it gets fixed. And they're like, no, 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 we'll get a replacement bus. So they managed to find a replacement bus, which is even worse. The aircon didn't work. So that, that was like a really that was a really good introduction to the desert sort of life out there. And then. We arrived and the accommodation was like these little sort of chicken hut sheds and oh, yeah, it was it was pretty uh yeah, I think the first night one of the um one of the support guys got like a scorpion in his sleeping bag and he just heard the this almighty sort of yelp from his from his chicken shed like he's just been bitten by a scorpion. <laughs> <laughs> It was an interesting first 24 hours, you know. But, um, it's, it sounds like more like an initiation, like they set up the bus and the scorpion on purpose. It might have been that way. That's the, <laughs> yeah, best, way. Yeah. the best way to acclimatise is to do all that. Yeah, definitely. Straight in the deep end. That's it. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, no, so so that would be one of the places that stuck out because of the different difference of um, operating out there in that heat. Um, and then also San Diego, when I did that uh observation observation course with the um wti guys uh out in yuma that was really good because obviously we're so close to san diego yeah and you you'd sort of work during the week and then you'd know you'd be doing a, a road trip to san diego and a sort of hiring mustangs and stuff like that and just living living the life out there really, that was really yeah that was really good um norway especially norway's just a different a completely different kettle of fish it's just fantastic it's so beautiful the first time you go flying out in norway it's just absolutely stunning to fix your breath away and you're always on like your first sort of the first time you do it you're on like an instructional sortie sort of a familiar or whatever and you just can't get over how beautiful you can't concentrate on what you're doing you can't concentrate on navigation or anything like that you're just like wow this is just stunning yeah and it really is it's just beautiful when you get to go skiing and and the mess life out in norway is just fantastic like everyone's really sort of up for it and then you have to start Norway with this um to be able to do Norway and operate out there you have to sort of be able to survive in the environment mm -hmm. so the um the Royal Marines are Royal Marines um, mountain leaders they run like a survival course before you can operate out there and it's one of the best most challenging but best courses you'll ever do it's just fantastic um they really run it very very well and they put you through your paces they do it like survival initially like how to build shelters how to sort of admin yourself in those climates yeah and then it moves on to a bit more tactical so you'll build like a you'll build like a harbor uh a layup and stuff like that and then they'll they'll sort of attack you in the middle of the night you know they'll put you on sentry and uh, it's just brilliant and then right at the end of it after you've had sort of i don't know two three days in the field right at the end they'll take you to this big lake and whether they'll do the ice breaking drills i don't know if you've seen that yeah, I've seen that on some documentaries. Yeah, that's really that's just the best. So you you know that's the last bit of the course, and obviously it can be um a little bit. I was quite apprehensive of it um the first time I did it. So you've just been like sort of attacked during the night, and you've done three days out in the field like um, building shelters and stuff like that. And it was like I think it was like minus eighteen when we did the um when we did our survival night. <laughs> the snow wasn't um deep enough or thick enough to be able to build our little quincies which is like a little igloo sort of shelter so instead of doing that we we just built like a lean-to and like a big fire and you know but minus 18 you, you don't feel the fire unless your face is in it you know yeah. just like yeah and there's so many people around there we, we were just doing laps around this down around this wood block to stay warm but yeah no it's good fun 
but then the, yeah so say the day the day after you go and um you go in these little bvs and you all head down to this lake and you're all huddled up in these these little they make you sort of change your clothes and that leave your dry clothes in the tent and then you're out there in a big line just waiting to like jump into this uh this frozen lake which is oh yeah so you jump in you have to re- you have to read out like your service number they ask you questions about yourself if you if you get them wrong you just stay in until you get start getting them oh, right man. <laughs> it's brilliant oh. it's and then once you get out you've got to go and roll in the snow to dry yourself off um and then you run up take your shot of rum and then leg it back to the tent to get changed and that's that's it you're done the course is done then so you're you're mega happy and you're straight in the mess like oh yeah it's, it's a good feeling it's good mate uh, to be honest it, like a lot of people are going to be listening to that going that sounds class that sounds like good fun I'm not built for the cold. <laughs> for me personally, I'm listening to minus 18 and and jumping in ice and rolling in snow and I'm here shivering just thinking about it. Yeah. But it's a shock to the system. Yeah, fair one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Norway, would you say that's where you've you've got your best photo or have you got a best photo from Norway maybe? Do you know what? I didn't even, I wasn't even... I didn't even have a camera. Um, oh, right. Okay. But but I did take some video. I've got probably my best video is like from Norway, just sort of coming, coming down this little re-entrant and then, and then the whole landscape opens up as it kind of falls away. Right. Okay. Going around these peaks. It's a, it's a brilliant video. Um, yeah. I need to sort of post that as a reel or something on Instagram so people can see it. But um, yeah, mate, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. We'll share it around as well. Yeah. Yeah. So um yeah, I wish I had my camera in Norway and we were supposed to be going this year, but obviously um, the situation uh, around the globe really has stopped, stopped a lot of deployments, which is, um, so I was really looking forward to going out and using my camera out there. Yeah, of course. I'm, I'm sure hopefully there will be other opportunities to do so. Um, yeah. Yeah, fingers crossed, because like I say, we're, we are enjoying the content and uh, I'm sure yeah, similar can. to us, you're looking forward to getting back out and getting some more pictures as well. Absolutely, definitely. So I've got to ask, where have you got your unique editing style from? And the fact that you're so consistent with the, your your tones, and that must be so incredibly hard to match in each photo. But it's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, Martin. Um, so I really... So I first... When I first started taking photos, I knew that editing was like one of the big, big things. So obviously I was shooting JPEGs initially. Yeah. Um, and I was just sort of learning on the hoof, which I still am doing. Um, so I was taking JPEG and raw on my settings. And then I realized, you know, raw gives you so much more flexibility when you come to the editing part and the JPEGs I was really using just to sort of upload instantly to my phone to share on, on like social media or whatever. But then, um, yeah, so going into the raw stuff, I was watching and reading every single thing I could about editing, like I, it took me a long, long time. It was, it was hours and hours of practice, hours and hours of like copying other people's styles or trying to emulate people's styles. Like when you're learning something like an, like an instrument or something like that, I think, you know, you, you play other people's songs and I think it's kind of the same thing. You, you, and you take the best bits of how you've emulated that style. And the more and more you do it, the more and more people's styles you try and emulate, the more and more your own style will come out of that. Um, but it, it's not really planned. I kind of edit from scratch each time. So the big, the big one for me is when I don't know if it's getting a bit too into it now. But the light in Lightroom, you've got like the RGB curves, or in or in most editing software. So when you go into the RGB curves, 
adding contrast in there is so so much more important than just doing it with a slider. I don't know if you guys feel the same thing or, or, or use the, use the same kind of technique or. I have to say it's not one that I've tried personally, but I'm gonna have to look into it now that you mentioned it. I was about to say, likewise, now that you've said it, it's definitely one to have a look at for sure. Yeah, so I looked into that, um, and that that was when it really sort of um, the style really comes from, I think. And I think with a lot of people's um, consistent styles on Instagram, you can find you can really kind of imprint your style from the RGB curves, not only the sort of shadows and highlights bit, but the actual individual red, green, and blue channels. Um, yeah, you can really add a lot of contrast in there as well. So playing around with them, I mean, it took me a long, long time, but playing around with them, and I do that every time I edit because I'm obviously still learning each time and I'm just trying to push push it a little bit further each time. But obviously over-editing is like a big, big thing as well. So you can over-edit a photo and it will just look sort of terrible and it'd be look a bit, yeah. But then you just try and rein it back each time. So I'll, I'll move like the slider and I'll just, and then I'll just rein it back a little bit each time just to be like, okay, not too much editing. But yeah, with the, with the tones as well, like, um, I don't know if you guys use Lightroom Classic or... Yes, mate. Yeah. Yeah. So I was using Lightroom CC initially. Um, Lightroom Classic, I find, is is slightly more powerful. I, I don't know if this is completely right, but this is just what I found. But it seems to be slightly more powerful than Lightroom CC. So I've recently migrated to Lightroom Classic in the last few months. And you've got a little tool down the bottom called the uh, calibration tool. I don't know yeah. if you guys have seen that. Yeah. So that's quite powerful when it comes to just finessing the different tones you can get um, throughout it. And then obviously you've got the things like the hue, you can change the hues of different stuff. And, and then the other really good thing they've brought in recently is the color grading, which used to be the split toning. So color grading part of it is, is mega powerful as well. Even if you're not adding color in, you've got the luminance part of each um, shadow midtone and highlight as well. And you can really play around with that. And then obviously you've got the different radial filters, um, the brush tool and stuff like that, which I don't use a lot, but you can really use them to sort of dodge and burn and bring out your subject. If you've, if you've got a specific subject, you can, you can, you can really draw attention to that, like with dodging and burning. That's kind of the journey I've gone through as well. I was using CC for a couple of years and I was, I think I was doing an update one day and I was like, oh yeah, there's the, the real proper version there that I can download and have a go with. And I was, I was getting a bit fed up actually with the, the cloud side of it. I just wanted, I wanted my images to be somewhere where I knew where they were and had proper access to them all the time rather than having to download them each time I wanted to edit them through my dodgy internet. <laughs> I, I just find that classic, like you say, just gives you a bit more, a bit more, a bit more of everything that was there. And, um, more control, yeah. I think more control is a good way. A good way of describing it. I think. Yeah. It's just more complete. Yeah. 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 I totally, totally agree, Mike. Um, the CC side of things, like, sorry, uh, Andrew, just coming on that CC side of things. So, using the cloud, I was exactly the same. Like a couple of months ago, I just bought a decent sort of hard drive. And actually, when you look into the cataloging side of Lightroom CC, it is is brilliant. As long as you use it and don't move anything outside of Lightroom Classic, then it's really, really good. Um, yeah, but I, yeah, I totally agree with that cloud thing. I'm, I wasn't happy keeping them in the cloud. And yeah, it, 
you, you're just not sure whether you're going to, you, you want that hard copy as well on your hard drive to know that they're sort of totally. there. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I totally agree with that, yeah. Well, I have to say for 12 months of from nothing to this, like your knowledge and the way you've expanded so quickly and like your editing technique and your style is amazing. Yeah, agree. And I think you've probably got a lot more fans out there than you actually realise. And like Agreed. all this has to go to like you're you're so naturally gifted and like the composure in your photos and the edits is just it stands out big time. Mm. Oh, I really appreciate that, Martin. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, really appreciate that. But, yeah, um, it's funny because when, when you did say how long you've been doing it for, it did take us back a little bit because we're looking at your shots thinking how many years has he been taking pictures for? And then when you said, what was it, like a year or so, we went, what? <laughs> really? <laughs> so credit to you, mate. Well played. Well played. Thanks a lot, Andrew. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's been a little over, so it's sort of maybe 13, 14 months now, but um, I started with a little point and shoot when I was out in the UAE, just stuck on a base called Minad out there. Um, and me and my friend were like going into Dubai every now and again. And I don't know what kicked it off. I think I was watching some like YouTube program or something like that. And I think it was one of your, your classic people like Peter McKinnon or someone like that. It was someone who just sort of had that enthusiasm for photography. I love Peter's stuff. He's yeah, he's got so much energy. It's brilliant. And, you know, he, he gets a lot of slack, obviously, because he's so um, prolific on YouTube, if you like. Yeah. But, um, that really got me looking into other people as well on there and then i was like right yeah i want to become a landscape photographer because that's what everyone wants to do when they pick up a camera isn't it you go on instagram you see these amazing photos of like well stuff here in the uk and they're just they're just unbelievable and you look through their grids and their tones are all like matching and they're they're just brilliant people like i don't give them a shout out but like with luke he's got like over a hundred thousand followers and just people that have that consistent editing style it's just really good to see and then I was kind of thinking, you know, I may as well take some photos while I'm airborne as well. And then I started doing that. And then, yeah, it kind of lended itself quite nicely to before when I was taking just photos on my phone. And then I seemed to just be able to edit those a lot easier than I did with all the landscape stuff. Um, yeah. Well, I, I, still, I still do a bit of landscape stuff, you know, but nothing nothing major. But, you know, the editing of the, um, editing of the flying stuff is... I just find it, I do find it quite interesting and quite good to do. And and the natural compositions you get from the positions I'm taking photos of the aircraft, you get a lot of negative or dead space and like the framing from the actual aircraft itself, or you're like kind of looking and you've got like the side of a pilot's face or you've got, um, I know, different things sort of framing your shot quite naturally. So, I mean, Thanks for all the compliments, but a lot of the time it's just ad hoc photos on on the hoof sort of thing. Um, <laughs> they're not really not really like planned that much, um, but I'll take the compliment definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, right here we go. Now we're getting into a deep question. This is where you can divide and really split some opinions. Totally. So, are you a Canon? <laughs> are you a Nikon? Or are you a Sony? I'm Sony. Uh, yeah, okay <laughs> all right you know what it's weird because it was it was similar to robin that he was sony as well i can't get mad at that if you'd have said canon i probably would have left no i'm joking yeah. <laughs> but um okay so so what um, what setup have you got at the moment so i've got at the moment i've got the a7 III um with just sony yeah just sony lenses as well 
Um, so I've got my, I, I use primes up until about 70 mil. And then I use my 70 to 200 F4, um, which is a really good lens, which a lot of my photos are taken on actually. But the, um, the primes are for like more intimate shots inside the aircraft of particularly of people, pilots, aircrew, and whoever else is around to get snapped. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I find, I find the, uh, I think it's the beauty of a prime is it really does make you sort of get, get it, like intimate with the photo you're taking and get active with, you know, cause obviously you haven't got that zoom function. So you have to get into the, into the position to get the photo you want. Obviously with the a seven three, it's not massive amount of megapixels. So you can't really crop in too much. Yeah. Um, you've really got to get quite right, right in camera if you can. Um, mm. But, um, so there, mate, see, your, your your passion for it is very obvious. You know, you, you can tell just the way you're speaking about it is, you know, the passion is there, um, which I think does bleed into your photos as well. So, um, yeah, uh, it's nice to hear. Like I say, hopefully it's going to help us inspire the, you know, next generation of photographers as well. Yeah, that'd be great. I mean, I get obviously get quite a lot of questions on Instagram about my editing and things like that. And I'd love to be able to have more of a, sort of complete answer for people but i just edit from scratch each time and it just sort of i don't intend to edit the way i edit it just i just use every tool until it's kind of it starts to develop itself and then yeah and then luckily they all seem to look fairly similar to another which is a good thing i suppose because if you're editing from scratch each time you're not just using presets and you're actually using the tools and really getting yeah. to know them yeah yeah definitely mm -hmm. But what, what I was thinking of doing is doing like a little sort of maybe like a reel or, or some kind of like little, not tutorial, but like to give people an idea of the different tools I use and stuff like that. So it would answer most of the questions that people ask. I, I think that would go down quite well, mate. I, I genuinely think that would be quite a good shout. Um, mm. Yeah, no, that's that's quite a good shout. I like the idea of that. Yeah, I'm, I'm really interested to hear what other, how other people edit as well, because I, I have no clue. Um apart from like i don't i don't have a clue if what i'm doing is right or what i'm doing is sort of what other people do um so yeah for me it'd be really interesting to see how other people edit as well like you guys and if you guys did the same thing it'd be like oh well right that's kind of similar to what i do but i do this or you do that and we could like share sort of the tools that we use and stuff you know i don't think there's any right or wrong way i think it's what you find is what works best for you yeah so you're going to have someone say, I do it this way. You've got to do it this way. Or I do it this way. So do it this way. But you just got to find your own groove and your own workflow. Yeah. And I think once you get into that groove, you're like, everything is so much easier because you're not struggling. You're like, I'll go here, go there, go there. Everything just flows nicely. Yeah, it does. And I think, yeah, it's slow. I'm slowly getting there where I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm not approaching the edit with sort of, oh man, I'm struggling. Like you said, it's just becoming a little bit easier because I've got references to go off of photos I've edited before. But yeah, I, I totally agree, Martin. People, I myself got hung up massively on the editing thing. I thought it was like this dark art. I was like, oh, how, how is he doing that? I thought, you know, he's not using, he's not using Lightroom. He's got to be using Photoshop. He's got to be using some amazing tool. Like, you know, I, I, why can't I emulate that kind of style? But, um, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, that's it. It's a real struggle when you first start. And you just think there's like this inner circle of like photographers who've got this editing, the secrets, you know, 
And there's no secret, the tools are all there. You've just got to get in amongst it and, and go for it. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Couldn't agree more. Um, so now we've uh, we've got some more questions for you, mate. Hope you're ready for them. Um, but yeah. these are coming from obviously us guys. And also we do have some questions, you know, just a couple of questions from um, obviously where we posted online that we had you as our guest. People have got a couple of questions for you. Um, so, uh, Mike, we'll start with your question, mate. Photography aside, um, you mentioned earlier that you've you've worked on obviously Wildcats and, and, and Merlins. So thinking more about the actual crewman part of the job, what's what's the differences between the two? Is there anything that you do on one that you don't do on the other, for example? So yeah, that's um so you've got the crewmen down at Cold Rose. They're obviously what we what we call the pit the pinger crewmen. So they do like the anti-submarine stuff. And they're on like the Merlin was Mark One, now Mark Two. Um, so they their job is totally different to ours. So, in, well, in 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 the major aspects. So they're obviously obviously their job's anti submarine stuff. So they are sitting on a console facing rearwards in a darkened sort of cabin, in amongst all the sensors, doing their bit. Um, they do secondary roles like we do, sort of um, winching and load lifting stuff like that. Um, but their main role, obviously, anti submarine stuff is is mega different. You know, they don't wear NVGs, for example. They don't do any navigation. Um, and then you've got another split when you come up here. So you've got the Merlin commando air crewman. So you've got commando helicopter force with the two different aircraft. So the Merlin um, and then the Wildcat AH-1, which is what I'm on now. So I did start on the Merlin uh, up at RAF Benson when it was going through the transition to the Navy. Um, and the role is fairly similar, similar between the Merlin and the Wildcat. Obviously, in the Merlin's larger aircraft, you've got two crewmen in there. So you've got number one and number two crewmen. Number one crewman's in charge of like all the navigation, um, mainly doing basically he's the lead on all the on all the crewman stuff in the cab. Number two is like lookout, or there's certain roles where number two gets used as well, where he's um maybe going into a confined area. Again, he's lookout, he's safety, um, but potentially winching. If they go off and do winching, it's the same. So with our aircraft, we're predominantly single crewman ops. So all the navigation, radios, things like that. And then you've got the stuff like winching, we'll get in a second crewman in to be the winch man. You'll have a winch man and a winch op. In terms of like your general uh, general duties are pretty much um, pretty much identical. So like general airmanship stuff like navigation, um, doing the uh, load lifting, doing bits like... We obviously have a limited trooping role, but the Merlin obviously is massively trooping heavy because um, you've got the capacity inside the aircraft. But job-wise, it's it's pretty identical, really. Yeah, cool. Nice. It's just something I've never really known much about. The kind of obviously, I know they do different jobs, but the kind of the intricacies between them is always interesting. I think to learn about. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And my. Last question, I think you also mentioned spending some time, obviously, on some ships. How, how do you kind of get used to living on a ship? That's always seemed a bit, a bit alien to me. Yeah, so um, so I guess the first ship I went on was like an RFA, Fort George, it was called. So that was back when I was an AT, and that was the first time I was on board. So that was a mega, mega learning curve, really. Um, albeit it was an RFA, so it's not really a proper, you know, <laughs> passes gray passes gray navy ship but and then really the 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 ship i spent a lot of time on again was hms westminster um so we're in like a 32 man mess i don't know if you've seen like the mess layouts of 
of frigates. So it's like basically one bunk sort of stacked on top of the other. But then I say bunk, they're more like cutouts in, in the sort of in the sort of wall. Um, so yeah, so I think on that one's when I started when I had my first coffin coffin dream. Was because because you're in such a cramped space, you kind of dream you're in you're stuck in a coffin. Wow. And apparently okay. Like, you know, you hear people doing it and they're like banging, like trying to get out, and they're stuck. And they're, yeah. so yeah, I had had my first coffin. <laughs> 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 But you can imagine you've got um you've got 32 men in like quite a small space and you have these little alleyways we call gulches um and people's people's pits people's racks their beds are like so close to each other that you you light on top of each other pretty much but yeah on such a small ship like that you know the spaces of a premium so i mean you do get used to it and you've got a tiny little locker as well sort of you've got like a little locker area as well um but luckily because we were sort of wafus uh, at the back of the ship in the hangar, we had the whole hangar space to ourselves as well. Nice. Um, yeah, which is kind of goes down not so great with the ship's company when you come on board and you're, you know, <laughs> the flight with the big helicopter and you're sort of going to flying stations all the time, messing up the ship's routine. And, you know, <laughs> on the Westminster, it wasn't too bad. Like um, the fish heads on there, the, like the general service crew, <laughs> <laughs> they they weren't too bad. They were, they were pretty, um, pretty accommodating, really. Um, you can have some bad run-ins with the fish heads when they they're like, especially if you don't show them the, enough respect because you are coming onto their ship, you know, yeah. part yeah. of the ship. But you're not, you know, you're embarked on the ship for that certain period. You haven't been through that, you know, like the when they're alongside. I think the routines can be a bit a bit tough for them, and obviously that each ship has to go through a thing called FOST and BOST and sea trials and stuff like that, and that's when they get absolutely fragged. And we'll just fly on after and be like, hey guys, what's up? And, <laughs> where's, the, where's the mess? Like, yeah, yeah. So um <laughs> yeah, you do you do get used to it though. You, you definitely do get used to it. Um and each ship has its different nuances and quirks, and then different crews have, you know, the RFA are totally different to being on it on a proper navy ship. Um the RFA act like so, so well, a lot of the RFA act like, you know, you shouldn't really. What, what are you doing here type of thing, you know? <laughs> and you're like, when you're using your ears because, you know, we're here. <laughs> so it, can be, um, it can be a bit tough for them. But on the whole, each ship's company are, are really accommodating to um, the embark forces, yeah, and, and the, and the um, embarked aircraft. Oh, that's a good insight into it. Brilliant. Yeah, Thank definitely. You. Right, so most of us know that the Navy have got two very big new toys. <laughs> So what is it like operating off of the new aircraft carriers? Cool, yeah. So I actually operated off QE, um, what was it, two weeks ago for the first time. Um, so I'd, I'd flown I'd flown sort of to her before, but we, we were doing decks, like deck landing, deck training. Yeah. Day into night decks. And uh, yeah, we went there and it was it actually went really smoothly because you're expecting they're, they're a new ship, they're going through training, they've probably got some junior guys on there potentially. Um, and to make decks run smoothly, you've got to have a swept up ground crew, like the, the handlers on there and stuff like, and, and, the, and the guys working the deck and they were all over it. They were really, really good. So they was, they were slick and there wasn't any, um, wasn't any hangups, which was really good. The guys in the, um, Flyco, uh, were, were good as well. Um, so, so it actually went really well. We landed on, um, and obviously it was, it was a long, it was a long sortie. So in between. I wanted to go to the heads, go go to the toilet. 
So I went to the heads and I saw like an old guy that was from the squadron and he was based on there and he was telling me how good it was. And yeah, it sounds like a really good ship to be on. So I'm looking forward to potentially spending a bit of time on there in the future. Um, obviously, she's off this year on quite a big trip, uh, which we're not a part of at, uh, at the moment. But um, with the guys on that trip, I'm quite jealous of because I think they're going to some really good places. Yeah, it's like that's going to be a big, big tour from what we know of anyway. Definitely. Yeah, I think so. I'm, I'm yeah, a little bit glad I'm not on it. But um, but yeah, I'm sure I'll see some pics and stories and hear some hear some dits from guys that are yeah. Yeah, yeah. You won't be going by via Suez. Yeah. <laughs> you're, gonna, you're gonna miss out Egypt. <laughs> I just saw that today, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've been to be fair, I actually um I actually used to uh, work in uh, in Portsmouth in the dockyard. Oh, um wow. so obviously where part of it was built and then obviously when it came in, I was still working for BAE Systems at the time when it first came in. It the size of that thing is outrageous. It literally looks like a little town has docked inside the town. It's it's so impressive. And um obviously seeing it come into port for the first time um was unbelievable. Um so yeah, quite jealous that you've uh, you've spent some time on that and probably will do in the future, I'm guessing. Yeah, I was just editing the photos from it today, actually. So yeah, um I took forward to them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, no, I've, yeah, I'm looking forward to spending more time on it. Definitely, and like you say, it is it is an impressive, impressive sight when you're sort of on approach to the deck and um, seeing it for the first time, really, as yeah. it sort of appears out of the mist, out of the yeah. Yeah, So, moving away from your job, back onto photography, what do you enjoy most from your photography? Like, what do you find the best part? Is it taking the photos? Is it the editing? Is it the not knowing what you're going to get or like the planning of what shot you might want? Yeah. So for me, I think it's the, um, the, the documenting of, of like moments within the squadron. So obviously we, we've done quite a lot of stuff in the last, I know, 12 to 14 months, however long I've been taking photos. And it's just documenting those moments and being able to look back on them because before, um, it, you know, I'd be taking videos here and there and photos and I wouldn't really sort of look back on them or keep them, but, but with, yeah, with this one, you're like documenting different moments and it's not, it's not like planned photography. So yeah, I think that's one of the best things. The editing is always fun, can be a struggle, but it's becoming more fun the more I'm learning. But the, um, yeah, the taking of the photos is awesome as well. Like the amount of times I've come back and, you know, a, a little switch on my lens has been flicked and steady shots off and, and I'll look through and I've just got like hundreds of out of focus, blurry photos and you just kick yourself, you like, and you do it again. Or you've taken photos and your shutter speed's not quite been high enough, or it's too high and the blades will be stopped, and it's just like you can't, you know, it's, it's unusable. Really, it just looks a bit. So it's that that learning process, and each time you go out, your settings are slightly tweaked because of your experiences the time before. So yeah. each time you're like learning a little bit more, and obviously, on the taking photos from a shaking, moving, vibrating platform of another shaking, shaking, moving, vibrating uh, platform is, um, yeah, you've got to sort of take that into account as well. So you've got to have a slightly higher shutter speed than you would if you're taking it from the ground, which is another thing. And yeah, there's all these things going into your head, but obviously when you're shooting a manual, um, which is something I set myself the challenge of doing as soon as I bought my camera, I said, I'm never, ever going to shoot in any mode apart from manual uh, yeah which is like, it's, right. it's quite fun um and it but it can be challenging as well so 
it's just yeah being able to rapidly go to those settings knowing what kind of lighting you know if it's a bright day you can whack your iso down to 100 and just leave it there mm. and you've got the flexibility with the shutter speed or your aperture um if it's a dark day then you know you'll, you'll preempt that dark day and you'll set your iso to something above like maybe 500 and then you know again you've got the flexibility um especially with a full frame camera it's the luxury of having that full frame is knowing that you can go to isos of above 800 and not have any effect really on the photo yeah um, and then you've always got the uh, the noise re- reduction slider in Lightroom to fall back. Yeah, in. yeah. Oh, <laughs> mate, that's one of my favourite sliders. Yeah, and the haze. That's it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, right. So we've got a couple of questions as well from um, some of our followers online. <laughs> so one of them is from Chris underscore Suckling nineteen eighty six. And he has quite simply asked, <laughs> not that there's a bias in this or anything, why are Merlins so much better than Wildcats? Well, firstly, I don't know who this um, suckling geezer is, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but the, the, yeah, Merlins can be better, I think, because especially um, down in the Pinger world, uh, ASW down in Cold Rose, the thing just flies itself. So you can have any bitrate pilot down there just manning the controls, you know? Um, and it will just fly itself. So I guess they can just put all the failed pilots that didn't make it on the commando circuit. They can, put, <laughs> <laughs> they, can just, they can just sit in the hover, you know, and the crewman does all the work down the back end. Of it. <laughs> no, all joking aside, no, the, the Merlin is a, is a hoofing aircraft. It's really good when it works, um, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Chris was on the Westminster with me uh, for that, for that trip I did. Oh, um, cool. He was part of the reason him and the crewman on there were the part of the reason I wanted to go um air crew air crew training in the first place. So I, I owe a lot to him really. He he got me up flying quite a lot on that trip. So um yeah, he's a really good guy. Nice. <laughs> I when he asked a few questions like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I knew as soon as I saw that question, I was like, I knew it's gonna be him. <laughs> <laughs> um we've got another one from um Joe Boyer photography. Um, what made you choose rotary wing uh, instead of fixed wing? Yeah, I know, I know Joe. Yeah, um, hi Joe, how's it going? Um, yeah, so rotary wing uh, is the only real option for us going through the navy route. Um, you've got the RAF obviously get their fixed wing option to be the um, trolley dollies on A four hundred or whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but with the um, with the navy, you've got the the only option really is going rotary. So either ASW anti-submarine stuff or the commando jungly roll. So that kind of swung it for me, really. Yeah, cool. But you, you never sort of had any interest to maybe go RAF fixed wing or anything. When we were up at RAF Benson, it was such a such a great camp. Um, and I knew eventually we'd come down to Yeoverton. Uh, and I was close to London, where I'm kind of from. And yeah, it was just it was just a great time at RAF Benson. Some really good guys working closely with the RAF who who slightly different to us but but the people we worked with were were really good so i was slightly tempted but i could never i could never walk around in 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 a crab uniform no (laughs) (laughs) oh shots fired (laughs) (laughs) um and uh last question uh which comes from uh ben's aviation photography who we all know obviously is part of av geeks assemble um and has been on the podcast He's quite simply asked, what's the best takeaway you've had in a while, Cat? <laughs> it's got to be low mass helicopters, pasties, 
<laughs> anyway, uh, Patrick, have you got any questions for us at all, mate? Yeah, so I was, I was thinking about this earlier. So um, obviously you've had, I was listening to the previous podcast with Robin. Yeah, so that, that was like a really interesting one, hearing about um, sort of how how photography works up in the Mac Loop, up in the Lake District and stuff like that. That was really interesting insight for me personally from a photography side of things. And then you've got the... Um, You've got Panic as well, which was a great, great episode with the old um, Scott the Duck and all that. Yeah. That was brilliant. Um, and now with with me, hopefully you've got another different bit of variety. Um, are you guys going to keep, is that an aim of yours to keep that variety going um, from people's different perspectives throughout the community, which I think is a really, really strong point of this, podca- uh, of this podcast. Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, we we do have you know uh, a lineup of guests, obviously, which we uh, can't divulge just yet. Um, but as you say, the the thing that we're hoping to come uh, you know get across is photography in particular is for everyone. You know, um, for instance, like you say with Robin, he was telling us you know where he was working. He popped out for lunch and then he goes to the hills to take photos. Then you've got panic. F-15 fast jet pilot who takes photos on his iPhone but appreciates seeing other people's shots. You know, now we've got yourself. So I think definitely what what we're hoping to do is just show people that you don't have to already know about photography to be a photographer. Um, We want to inspire people that maybe have thought about taking photos but haven't taken that step. So by speaking to different people from different backgrounds, um, yes, definitely. Um, we, we really do want to continue speaking to you know people from different areas and what they do, um, and just really just interesting characters like yourself. You know, we, we like talking to you because it's it's enjoyable, it's good fun, and it's it's always good to hear stories. So yeah, definitely, mate. That's yeah, that's a really good point, Andrew. That if people are listening to that and they are thinking of starting photography. You, you know, you, you can start on day one and just go for it and just take the photos. It's, it can be daunting, I imagine, when you see accounts on Instagrams. Probably the biggest point in case is, you know, Instagram's just Instagram. That's just some people are just, you know, doing shots for Instagram. But you go out there and take your photos and don't be scared to like show other people and just put, put them out there. You know, yeah. that's the main start because the community is so supportive. It's so like everyone's there and you know, there's so many people to help you when you first start yeah. and just reach out to people like I've, you guys have probably had it a million times and I've had quite a few messages of people about starting and not feeling confident in posting their stuff. And you just reach out to the people in the community and, and you know, you will get that support. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Martin, Mike, have you got anything to add to what I just said? Yeah. So it's basically just a celebration of everything photography. I think that's plain and simple, easy as that. Yeah. I think you just got to carry that on. Yeah, I like the idea of not necessarily inspiring. That sounds a bit arrogant. Giving people you know, a bit of advice just on on what I do or what we do. Just if it, even if it's just a little pointer in the right direction and it helps somebody feel a bit more confident about what they're doing, then I think that's a, a win, really. Yeah. To be fair, Mike, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying like we, you know, inspiring people. Because um, to be fair, mate, obviously we've seen some of your work, and I can assure you, you've probably inspired people. You know, I know you probably don't think it yourself, but you should do because again, it, it does happen. No, thank you. That's good to know. It's yeah. Uh, same with with you guys, obviously. I mean, we've got this little group going on here, and you know, we're always 
sort of asking each other's advice, aren't we? I, I, yes. that's, that's one thing that we you know we did very early on and we still do now. Now we're Definitely. all mates. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's it's a, a non-judgmental zone. Um you know where you know we can ask questions and be helped and then get bantered for it afterwards but all in good fun anyway um but yeah um any more uh questions for us at all patrick before we um get wrapping up um no i think it's been really good yeah thanks for inviting me guys i really appreciate it and um and yeah looking forward to potentially doing some more stuff for you guys in the future Oh, absolutely, mate. Yeah, yeah, no, that'd be class. Um, and it's it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. So, um, well, basically, thank you for giving us your time. We do appreciate it. No problem. No problem. It's been really great. Cheers, guys. Yeah, pleasure. Thanks, mate. Um, so that just about gets us back to base after another flight. Uh, Patrick, we hope you've enjoyed it and there wasn't too much turbulence. So we'll go around the group now so you can find us all on social media. Um, I actually forgot to do this in the last one, so I'm going to shamelessly self-plug myself first. Uh, <laughs> so mine is um, Afterburner Aviation, all one word, Instagram and Facebook. Um, Martin? So same for Instagram and Facebook. It's Delta underscore wing underscore images. Nice one. And Mike? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm only really putting my aviation stuff on Instagram at the minute. Uh, which is Mike Keatley Photography, or one word, um, M-I-K-E-K-E-I-G-H-T-L-E-Y, photography. Yeah, not Mike Knightley, like uh, Martin called you back <laughs> all that time ago. My bad. <laughs> and um, Patrick, what um, uh, you know, uh, social media sites are you on? What, what are your tags? I'm pretty much just Instagram. Um, so Royal Navy Crewman, uh, all one word, yeah. Obviously. Nice, nice, very nice. No, that's cool, mate. Thank you. Um, and for uh, everyone listening, uh, thank you so much for joining us for episode five of the AV Geeks Assemble podcast. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed it as much as we did because it has, again, been an absolute pleasure. Um, please drop us a DM on Instagram or join the Facebook group if you want to give us any feedback, uh, which is obviously at AV Geeks Assemble. Um, yeah, just let us know. Give us a shout. Let us know what you think. Uh, we know some people, you know, reach out to us and do say, you know, looking forward to the next one, enjoyed the last one. So keep it up. We'd love hearing your feedback. But yeah, so in episode six, we will have another special guest. Uh, and we will have our first Lady AV Geek guest on the pod. She's very much into her fitness as much as her aviation photography. Uh, her IG handle is made up of two words. The first meaning enduring importance and the second meaning friends or allies. If you can figure out who we mean and would like to get your question answered by this Lady AV Geek, Please send us a DM on Instagram, once again, avgeeks underscore assemble, or we will start a topic on our Facebook groups, which again, avgeeksassemble, for you to post your questions there. Um, so thank you again to this week's guest, Patrick. Uh, we look forward to seeing you in your wildcat soon, uh, taking photos of us, taking photos of you. So thanks again, guys. All the best, and we will catch up again soon. 